Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. And Carlos, I, I think we need to start this show as uncomfortable as this may be, it, to acknowledge the and, and offer some some uh, condolences to the families to the I think eleven families uh, at, whose kids went to or go to Oxford High School, and the the shooting that happened up there earlier this week. It's uh, it's unimaginable, but yet in 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 some ways it's it's obviously not because it it, it keeps happening and it's uh, obviously the, the 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 biggest story around here in in southeastern Michigan this week and it's kind of hanging out there and I I just I don't think it's right for us to start this this podcast and I know we talk about sports without at least mentioning that 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 and those the the suffering that's out there the the pain that's out there with these these families. Um, I, I know that uh, sometimes it's a little tricky to, to to think about football and and baseball and shortstops and and hockey. You know, the, the the wings are playing well, but but this is what we do. We we uh, we have lots of different parts of uh, of our lives, and 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 we have to um, we have to to think about that too. And and, and maybe we can find a little bit of a, a respite, a little bit of a, a solace, maybe even a little bit of escape in sports. That's that's what they're out for. They're, excuse me, that's what they're out there for. In a lot of ways. Um, in any case, uh, Carlos, I just I, before uh, you speak here, I want to I want to also acknowledge that we, or mention rather that we have Jim Schaefer joining us today. I know we haven't had a guest in a while, but I think it's uh, I think it's about time. It's good timing too because Jim Schaefer is well. He's been at the Free Press for I don't know 50, 60 years. He's um, he's worn a lot of hats. He was an uh, investigative reporter, part of a Pulitzer uh, winning team. Um, I hope that didn't offend you, Jim. That I don't give you, you know, you didn't do that by yourself. You were part of a team, but yeah. uh, an investigative editor, and I don't know. Are you? He, he may be the editor of the paper now. I just, and it's just not entitled. No, I mean, no, who knows? No. Not quite. It's 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 hard. It's hard to know with this game. But 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 the most important thing, for the purposes of this podcast, if I may say, is that he is a graduate. He is an alum of Ohio State University, and uh, it's the Ohio State, by the way, the Ohio State University. <laughs> and so, Carlos, we have him here today to talk a little bit about uh, college football rivalries, the the game, Michigan and Ohio State. What happened Saturday? How he went from uh, enjoying himself for almost twenty straight years, uninterrupted, <laughs> to the uh, to to you know, I don't I don't I don't want to say exactly what he was feeling. He can tell us that, but. Uh, I don't know, Carlos. What, what do you think about having uh, a guy like that join us here today? I mean, I think you forgot to mention Game Master. He was once upon a oh. time <laughs> the honored free press Game Master. Um, you know, that, that that's how all – I mean, let's face it. It's the first line in the obit for Jim Schaefer, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning – you know, reporter and game master, video game critic. Yes, that's what right. that's what it's going to be. But I am. Thank I mean, you, it's Carlos. it's been it's been you know he's Leonardo DiCaprio, right? He's king of the world, and now he's after after the Buckeyes lose, he's holding on to the little raft. I mean, it's 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 a you know feast or famine for poor Jim. So yeah, high on high on the hog for twenty years now. He's eating some humble pie. Well, okay, I want, I want to ask you, how about let's start with this, Jim. Yes, he is eating some humble pie, or maybe he's not. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he's pretended to care, although I doubt it. I've seen his basement. It's a Woody Hayes shrine. But uh, <laughs> I, I would say uh, to you, Jim, after hearing you tell me all these years that, yeah, you want Michigan to be good, it's not as much fun. Well, they're good at least this year. So was that fun? I got to admit, I didn't realize the invitation uh, included being beaten silly by my colleagues. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are up to. I think you uh, suckered me into that. Um, 
should I back out now? I mean, I, I do have my finger hovered over the leave button on this conversation. Uh, what do you guys well, think? In true Buckeyes fashion, I mean, warm up the bus, you know, if, you, if, if the beating's too harsh, you know, go ahead and back out. Now, what do you want me to say? Yeah, it was painful. Of course, it's always painful. But you know what? I suffered through those years when John Cooper was our coach and I survived them. And I, too, shall survive this. But, yeah, Michigan played a hell of a game. And you're absolutely right, Sean. I do not like our team beating up on a weak Michigan team. I find the uh, satisfaction is much less, although I will not tell you that it's not satisfying. Um, (laughs) I do believe that, uh, you know, the 2006 game was classic because both teams were so great. Um, I was a very, very young child when uh, Woody Hayes won the national championship in 1968. Um, and I don't remember the 1969 game conveniently uh, when Bo came in and uh, announced his thunderous arrival uh, by beating what could have been Woody Hayes' best team ever. But yeah, I've lived this rivalry my whole life. I love uh, living and working in Michigan, and I love the fact that I get a front row seat to this game every week. Not literally. I go to the game occasionally, not front row seats, but um, I enjoy it. Yes, absolutely. And yes, Saturday hurt. Well, let me let me ask let me ask you this, Jim. I mean, I, you know, we're all we're all sports fans. We all have our teams that we root for, and there's always these you know inherent rivalries. Now, this is one of the best rivalries in the the world of sports, right? Yeah. But don't you need a little bit of parody? Don't you just get tired of beating up? On, I don't even know if it's a little brother now. I mean, it was such a it was such a yeah. you know beatdown for the last decade plus. Don't you need a better rival, uh, you know, to keep that going? You know, that's the logical explanation, Carlos. I totally agree with you that that <laughs> makes sense. If not for John Cooper, every Buckeye fan sees what has happened in the last twenty years as payback for John Cooper, and the fact that it's lasted twice <laughs> as long as John Cooper was at the helm makes it no less interesting and exciting for Ohio State fans. It never gets uninteresting for people down in Columbus. I know that in, in, in Ann Arbor and some other parts of Michigan, the, the tone has dropped over the years. Um, you can see it. You could see it in their eyes. They have lots of friends who uh, went to the school and, and root for the school, and you could tell that the uh, they didn't feel quite the same way about it, but it was never less satisfying for Ohio State on their end. I'm telling you that. Well, let me let me ask you this, Jim, because I've heard from a few of those mutual friends, and then also just Michigan fans in general. Um, the the idea that Saturday's game sort of felt like, especially some of the older older uh, alums and older fans, that felt like 1969. That this was a reboot. <laughs> and if you, and and if you recall, I mean, right? I mean, you and I are close to the same age but uh, so we, we don't remember the, the early 70s games as much but it was a pretty even match through those those the next decade right so we do you think we're setting ourselves up yeah it started the 10-year war exactly but so there's a key difference harbaugh's in year what seven Bo was a rookie no i understand but just do you do you feel like harbaugh's finally got it figured out a little bit and it'll be fairly competitive year in and year out and you know the Buckeyes win one or two and the Michigan wins one or two and back and forth. I mean, that's, that's the best way to look at it. And that is the most logical. And I think that is what makes people around the country respect that rivalry, that it is back and forth. And that's exciting, but it's not as exciting as dominating 
20 years. It's exciting. It's also, there's probably a lot more tension with that too, right? When you, oh, yeah. you year in and year out, you do not know. Well, let me be honest with you. I am nervous before every Michigan game because it's cliched, but people have said you got to throw the records out the window. And it is absolutely true. John Cooper brought better teams into Ann Arbor in the nineties and got his butt handed to him. And I was at some of those games. I was at the Desmond Howard Heisman pose. The Bianca Batuka. The game the Tim, where Woodson the t- uh, yeah. intercepted the ball in front of David Boston. I mean, I lived all those. So, yes, um, you do want the rivalry to be between two great teams. However, I would like my team to win every game. <laughs> does that make sense <laughs> to you, Carlos? <laughs> it does. It it does. I mean, I, we're 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 making the big mistake of trying to bring logic into this, and and you know, and a, a Buckeyes <laughs> fan just won't have it. Um, right. And how? Let me ask you this, That's Jim. True. How is how is the feeling in in you know Bucks Nation out there um, right now with as you said Jim Harbaugh finally year seven and now he's the Messiah suddenly because he finally beat you know Ohio State everything's forgiven we're all good and now he's talking all this trash telling yeah. Ryan Day he was born on third and think, or you know <laughs> thinks he it. hit a triple I mean they, I mean yeah. you gotta you gotta say Michigan's crowing about this and it's the oh, first I time it. I mean. And they should. They deserve it. Josh Gaddis, too, right? Remember Josh, Josh Gaddis? Yeah. The offensive absolutely. coordinator for Michigan who's, who said they deserve uh, it. Ohio State was soft. <laughs> they thoroughly dominated that game. It's all in good fun. I love that kind of trash talk. I loved it when Ryan Day said he was going to hang 100 on Harbaugh, and then he didn't. He got a <laughs> shit down his throat. I think that's awesome. <laughs> that's part of the game, right? It's all in good fun. Yeah. You know, Bo and Woody, Bo and Woody did that kind of stuff back and forth, too, over the 10-year war. And you saw who spoke at Woody's funeral, Bo, right? They were really good friends. and They had great respect for one another. I don't know if the respect is there between Day and Harbaugh, but it might be. There's still time to grow, right? There, there yeah. could be. Uh, the, the, the landscape is very different in terms of recruiting and all that sort of thing. Let me ask you this, Jim, as somebody who's now lived in uh, Michigan longer than Ohio, <laughs> and for and for our listeners out there, Jim just didn't go to Ohio State. He grew up in Columbus, so he's one of those right. kind wow. of. Uh, you can't hold wow. it against me. He's one of those kind of alums, right? He he grew up in Columbus, then went to Ohio State, but now so that what does that account for? Twenty two, twenty three years before I moved up here. Yeah, yeah. Twenty four years. Twenty four years, and now yeah. you've got you know thirty yeah, and yeah. and change thirty here. something, right? Yeah, right. I'm going to say wow. and change. How about that? So now that you've been you up here, look, you guys do not look like you're in your 80s at all. I mean, no. you guys look like your age. <laughs> thank well, you, thank young you. man. Thank you. And uh, for the <laughs> listeners out there, yeah, we're doing this on a video Zoom. Y'all can't see it, but uh, but we can see we, each other. We I have guess the that's misfortune all that of being able to see I, each other. Yeah. I have I have one big question about that because our our listeners can't see this. But why the hell are you wearing a Spartans hat, Jim? I knew that was going to come up. Because I have a family in Michigan State, and because we have a common arch rival, I've always felt a kindred <laughs> spirit with uh, with Sparty. Even though Sparty also destroys Ohio State's national championship hopes about once every ten years, um, didn't happen this year. Boy, that was a hell of a game, huh? But uh, I have I like Sparty. But you would never. What What would it take for you to wear a Michigan hat? Would you ever? Would you? What, what would that take? I have great respect for Michigan, as I've said. Um, I actually teach at the University of Michigan on the side at their Dearborn campus, so um, I appreciate the money that they give me and the opportunity. <laughs> um, 
but no, you're not going to catch me in Michigan. <laughs> Never gonna happen. Well, if if one of the kiddos, let's just say one of the kids goes uh, graduates and then goes to you know gra- graduate graduate school at Michigan, I've told him going to Michigan would be an honor. It's a fantastic school. It's the you I- wouldn't wear them. Uh, uh, you know, I'm a Michigan dad hoodie. The condition is they cannot root for the football team. <laughs> Uh, I see how this goes. Okay, okay. So you got we've had these discussions. You got a Spartan. I, I know you've got a Spartan hat on. You've been up in this area longer than you were in Ohio, so you understand a little bit about the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry. One of the one of yeah. the best things I saw in the last few days regarding the the Michigan-Ohio State game was was from a Michigan fan who posted a, yeah. a, a screenshot of the box scores. <clears throat> excuse me, the final scores of the Michigan-Ohio State game and the Michigan-Michigan excuse me, the Michigan State-Ohio State game, which was fifty-six to seven. By the way, as you mentioned, right, that was fun for the Buckeyes. So you see the juxtaposition of 56-7 and then 42-27, Michigan being Ohio State. And the caption is, when you get beat up at school and get your big brother to kick the bully's ass. I love it. So, <laughs> so That's great stuff. That's so, which, which, of course, is awesome. So it's a slam on Michigan State and Ohio State. Exactly. So, <laughs> so from your perspective, Mike Hart? Have it, did Mike Hart post yeah, that? Or? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. So, you, so from your, if only he were that witty. From your perspective, having had a, a foot, you know, a foot uh, is kind of anchored in, in in living life in both these places. What what's the difference between these two rivalries in your mind? That's a really good question. Um, what I think is hard for perhaps for Michigan people to understand is that Ohio state people are born into this rivalry. It is not something that you pick up along the way. Um, I think Sparty is a little bit like that, but just not as committed. Um, Ohio state people are zealots. And I think you and I've had the discussion before Sean, where it's almost like being down South where football is a, is a religion of a sort. And that's really true. It's a it's a class thing. It's a it, it, it's considered um, <clears throat> a de- a way you define yourself as a human being. Um, I think uh, Ohio State and Michigan State people tend to look at Michigan as a little bit hoity-toity and uh, disrespectful, and it becomes more than a football game, right? That's why the rivalry down in Columbus never lessened. Because it was about your standing in life. <laughs> it's not just about football. And maybe I'm not explaining that well, but um, I think Spartans feel a little bit of that too. They're more blue collar oriented. I would I would say you know the, their campuses, sort of like Ohio State, surrounded fields on on certain parts of it, and uh, big ag- agricultural based universities. And um, Ann Arbor's not. It's a it's a fancy little town. Uh, that's funny. It's funny you say that, Carlos likes to say. It. What's interesting to me, uh, Carlos, if I may, uh, is that it, when you're thinking about these two, and you're t- you're talking about the identity, it, if for, in Michigan, uh, like uh, it's the, the, the similarity between Michigan and Ohio State is that mi- a lot of Michigan's fans are live in Michigan that did not go to Michigan. Like, and Ohio State yeah. has hundreds of thousands of fans in the same manner, right? Alabama's like that, for example. It's over over Auburn. And I think that makes a difference. But Michigan State has a lot more alums in this state than Michigan, right? Because Michigan's alums, uh, they have a higher out-of-state body, uh, out-of-state student 
uh, percentage, and so they leave the state when they graduate. But I, but I, but I want to know what you think about what Gary Moeller once said that that it's more important and more enjoyable to beat Ohio State as a Michigan. Gary Moeller, by the way, a former Michigan football coach. It's more important to beat Ohio State. It's more enjoyable to beat Ohio State, but it's more painful to lose to Michigan State than it is to Ohio State. What do you think of that? And does that bother you as an Ohio State guy who wants to think of this as the rivalry and the best rivalry in in college football? I don't think Gary Muller knew what the hell he was talking about. Gary Muller was an Ohio State guy too, right? I I think he did. What do you think? And by the way, I want to hear Carlos. I want to hear Carlos on this too. Good. Um, I don't know. I think that – he can say that. I think the, the opinions on this are all over the map when you ask Michigan people. Ohio State people have a different uh, view of things, though. What do you think, Carlos? Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, you know it can be it can be more painful, right? I mean, it's uh, it's your it's your big rival. You know, it kind of makes sense, I suppose. I mean, yeah, the the little brother too. It, it, that's why we're seeing the. This meme about you know kicking the big <laughs> kicking the bully's butt or whatever, right? Because yeah. yeah, I mean it's just it's it's a different kind of a thing. But uh, okay, look, uh, I think we can get Jim for one more segment here, and uh, we want to we want to take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about as Jim likes to tell me over and over. He told me yesterday, the day before, I can't remember. The college football is the greatest game in the world, the, the best sport in the world. I think Carlos probably has other ideas about that. And what, you know, I don't even think Carlos likes college football, to be honest. I mean, you know, <laughs> Fullerton doesn't have much of a football team, Cal State Fullerton. So maybe that's. We're un- undefeated since 1992. Thanks. Okay. So maybe, so, so maybe that's it. But let, when, when we come back, let, we're, we're going to talk about, uh, yeah, the nature of this game a little bit, the coaching carousel, you know, Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU and Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for USC and. And uh, who knows? Harbaugh's going to go to the NFL. Is that right? Well, Ryan we'll, Day's uh, going to the Bears. Yeah, Ryan Day's going to the Bears. No, Harbaugh's not going anywhere. But uh, let's 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 dig into that a little bit uh, after a quick break here. My name's Kerry Jr. The second. I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press, and now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast, On the Line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region, and tell the news. I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts, and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit. You know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos. And uh, Carlos, how about we just say welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Jim now. I I think Jim's probably going to join us every week. He can't. He can't keep hanging out in the investigative desk and writing about automobiles. And well, not that he's writing. He's probably forgotten how to write. But uh, overseeing coverage of automobiles and all that stuff. And I know that's important in some ways. But they're, you know, they're going to be non-existent 
50 years from now, right? We're all going to be on trains or hoverboards or something. We're going to transition. We're going to transition from the auto beat to the chip shortage beat. And and Jim's a sports guy. <laughs> I mean, he was our MVP as our first baseman for our softball team this summer. Um, you know, I mean, he, we really we need to bring him into sports. <laughs> you going to bring that up? It's part of the sports family, Sean. I love sports. Yeah, he does. Okay, speaking of, speaking of sports and Let's uh, let, let's dig in here for a second with Jim Carls. He he feels like college football is the greatest game, and uh, he's told me this over and over for I don't know ad nauseum for twenty years since I've met him. I think it's been about twenty years. But part of the reason he said this is because he was describing the scene a little bit Saturday in Ann Arbor at Michigan Stadium and the the students, largely students, uh, I assume, storming the field and. You know, they didn't take the goalpost down. Obviously, I think we, we, we acknowledged that earlier. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, no, maybe maybe you can't. But uh, but it was quite the scene, and Jim was kind of getting a little uh, teary-eyed describing it and thinking about it. You know, I mean, just the, <laughs> the whole tableau. So so what do you think, Carlos, uh, about about this idea that this is this is the best sport that we have anywhere on the planet? Well, like I said, I mean, people can't see our Zoom, but when you say that, Tad is taking his hoops out right now because he wants to jump in and talk about soccer, the the real football. Um, you know, it just it just depends on what your experience is, right? If you've gone to Highbury and watched Arsenal play there, you would you would laugh at a bunch of college. By the way, in Europe, they think we're morons that the kids yes, are running around la- cheering for their school and like <laughs> what these are just amateurs. What, what? they're not going to be pros, you know. Um, so let me ask you this, Jim. I, I do have a question because I mean I, I love the the, the all the, uh, the the fanfare and everything about college football is amazing. It's great. Yet I think March Madness is on another level. That's even better for fans. I think more exciting. But the problem I have with college football is, and I'm not an NFL fan per se, but the my thing with football is when I watch even the Lions. When you watch the, an NFL team play, and then you watch a college team play, the level is so much worse in college. I mean, it's basically best athlete wins in college. Um, they get away with so much. And that's my one problem. The, the, the talent level, the discrepancy is so big. Now, I know there's a whole lot more to it, but, but what is it about college football beyond the talent level? You know, because I'm sure you've watched one or two Lions games. So, what's the difference for you that makes college football so much more enjoyable? <laughs> well, I'm spoiled, um, and I will fully admit that if you went to, uh, you know, uh, Kalamazoo College or uh, uh, Gonzaga, you're not going to grow up in a great football environment. Or, you know, you you might have a good team, but mm-hmm. it's not the same as growing up in the Big Ten. And I think a lot of people in Michigan know that feeling. Michigan, Michigan State people, even MAC folks, maybe. Um, but to me, it's the tradition, it's the pageantry, it's the bands, it's the 100,000 people filled stadiums, much larger than pro games. And let me let me put in a couple caveats, though. I'm not nearly as fervent a fan as I used to be because of all the scandals and, and then the money and uh, taking advantage of amateur athletes, which I didn't think was cool. Yet the game persists, even after this crazy coaching carousel that's been going on the last week. Who knows if Ryan Day is going to the pros? Um, but it's the tradition. You grow up with this thing. It's something that's constant. College teams don't stakes and move to Baltimore 
like Cleveland did to me when I was a Browns fan during the Bernie Kosar era. That soured me on the Browns. I used to be a fervent Browns fan, just crazy. But, you know, I watch games now, but the NFL does not tantalize me. If I weren't a fantasy football player, I wouldn't watch any games that didn't involve my teams. I have to have a team in it. I have to have a rooting interest in order to be um, a a really uh, enthusiastic fan. And I think college football provides that. The other thing, and I'll be briefly, is that um, the season is short, even though it's been extended over the years. Every single game matters. If you don't win, you might be out of the playoff pitch. And I realize that Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan are in a privileged position there. If they win all their games, they're going to be in a college football playoff. I like that. And I still like that. It makes every single game during the regular season matter. And that's why, while I like March Madness, I'm not as big of a fan of college basketball because you can lose, you know, 10 games and still get into the tournament, even more in some cases. And then you can win all the and, – and I do think the Cinderella story is, is very appealing. I like the pageantry. I like the bands. Um, the, the, the tailgating, the atmosphere, just incredible. Jim, I, w- I would point out a couple of things to your point and, and Carlos too. The, when Lincoln Riley, the head coach at Oklahoma left for USC, there was such an uproar in that state. And, and again, Oklahoma football is like Ohio state football, right? The, uh, it, it, maybe more so, I don't know, maybe not, maybe it's pretty equal, but it was such an uproar that w- there was a state representative that got what took the Twitter to mock right Lincoln Riley because of the state taxes he was going to have to pay in California. Like, well, hey, you know, you're 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 going to this this liberal uh, wasteland, and they're going to take socialist wasteland. They're going to take all your money. It was funny because then people were going at him from California, posting <laughs> posting these photos of the, the the highway Pacific Highway One and Malibu and the mountains and the ocean and all this and. There was this whole back and forth thing, but you you would never see that to your to your point, Jim, in the NFL, right? If if one coach, if a good coach leaves the NFL for another team, you're not you're not going to see local politicians jumping in and and trying to make trying to make his people feel better. That's true. It's a even though college football is a business, the NFL feels more like a business, right? And the loyalty just isn't there. There's the loyalty to the fans, to the players, to the coaches. It's just not there. No, and as far as basketball, March Madness is great, but it's a TV event, right? I mean, there are a handful of there are a handful of basketball programs in the country where mm-hmm. you can you could you you can see the identity and the rootedness, and you're born into it. You know, Kentucky, Indiana, North Carolina. I wouldn't quite say Duke. That's uh, more about one person, but um, yeah, you go down to Indiana, and, and basketballs it's it's that way. It's like football in Ohio or Texas or whatever. But those are rare. So March Madness to me is is about television. Where, I mean, you think about it, Carlos, and and, and to Jim's point, you, I was at Michigan Stadium Saturday, and you kind of take it for granted. There are one hundred ten thousand people in there. You go to Ford Field when they're full. What are there sixty five? Yeah, something like that. I mean, that's yeah forty five thousand people. That's that's crazy. Here's another good example. And college basketball isn't the same. I mean, Ohio State beat uh, Duke, number one Duke. I haven't gotten a single text from any family members about it. <laughs> Not that they don't appreciate the basketball team. It's it's a, it's a pleasant distraction, as we call it, uh, in the off season. <laughs> I know I, you've had you've had uh, Ohio State's had some good teams yeah. over the years, right? 
teams that uh, I don't know if you've made the Final Four. Yeah, a couple of years uh, in a row back with those Mike Conley teams. Anyway, um, and I remember talking to you back then when you, you Greg Oden and you know all those NFL guys, yeah. excuse me, NBA guys, and you were like, yeah, yeah, it's fun, it's fine, you know. I'm serious, Carlos. He would, it is. his team would be in the national title game. It's just different. It's a great sport. I love watching it. It's just not an in person thing, as you've mentioned, and that makes a big difference. I think. Yeah, but what 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 do you what do you guys think about? It? I want to hear your take on this, Carlos. I mean, Brian Kelly again going from Notre Dame to to LSU and Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma. And these are places you think of as destination jobs, and it's kind of crazy to think that all of a sudden these you know they're taking off. Um, I know maybe money is a little bit a part of it, but uh, but what, what what do you think of what's going on, Carlos? Did you say money's a little bit of a part of it. <laughs> Well, I think that I think that we're. I mean, Riley went to L.A. because Southern California right now is producing the best talent in America, uh, football talent. Uh, maybe even more so than Florida. Florida's been the, kind of the king of that for the last twenty years. But wait, you think you think that Riley went to L.A. for talent to get better recruits and stuff? Yeah, I do. And I think Kelly went to the same. Uh, wow. No, I think the money is a part of it for sure, but. And I think Kelly went to LSU for the same reason. Let me tell you this about Lincoln Riley. I'll tell you what USC did that was brilliant is he has two houses in Norman. USC bought those houses for $500,000 above asking for that. both houses. And they bought him a house in LA for $6 million. So this is all about money. Brian Kelly going to LSU is all about, and this is the problem with, with you know, simple-minded people, no, no offense, Jim, who love college football, <laughs> is that like it's it's all about this this fanfare and the script Ohio and yeah. you know M Club supports you. You guys buy college fans buy into this mythology and this ethos and this romanticism. It's all about money. It's all about you know the coaches. And I don't blame Brian Kelly at all for leaving you know Notre Dame and going to LSU. Even not he's not going to coach like the 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 fans are appalled right in South Bend. How could you leave us before the you know, the bowl game or the CFP, whatever is going to happen to Notre Dame. It's all about, hey, it's unsentimental. When you get fired, they don't apologize to you. It's like if you have a better opportunity, you go find it. It's a job. It's a business. Even though it doesn't, like Jim said, it doesn't feel like a business as much as the NFL. It's a business. I would, uh, here's the here's the only thing. It's not, it, yes, money is obviously a part of it. But Brian Kelly is limited a little bit in the kind of recruits he can get to, at Notre Dame, right, in the level of recruiting. And he, he's done a good job there. They're you know, top ten, you know, top ten in the rankings year in and year out, top fifteen at the at the least. But LSU's different again. The talent pool down there it's it's Southern California, sure. It's Texas and it's you know Louisiana, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, right? In terms of the ten, the, the three spots where their most talent is. And that's another thing about college football that I don't like. Actually, I mean, you guys are sitting there waxing poetic. Sorry, you are Jim, but it's it's the least democratic sport we have. Right, I mean, since the college football playoff has started, fourteen and what there have been twenty eight teams, maybe twenty eight teams, I think, in but only four different teams have won a title in the last what seven eight years or whatever that or nine years I can't remember. I mean, that's not you know you you you're good based on I mean part of it's the cult of the personality of your coach, but mostly it's where you live and what the what the what the temperature is on any given day what all those places we just talked about i just talked about having common sunshine you think that's fair is is that a way to run a sport not that i want to get off on this topic but you know it's it's i mean you know Sean you're you're it it sounds like you've just learned about college football and the way it works i mean it's 
it's the most unfair sport there is. It's by all far, based, by far. obviously, yes, on talent. But then you have the East German judges for a long time with when you had the, <laughs> you know, the, the, what was it, the, the bowl uh, <laughs> system deciding who was going to get in. And then you've got ESPN, which is in bed with the SEC with its own network. Gee, I wonder if there's any, you know, incentive to get SEC teams into better bowl games and give them favorable rankings and, you know, this whole thing, you know, it's all based on rankings and then the CFP rankings. And it's just it's such a, you know, uh, there are so many external forces that are in charge of this sport. You know, that's one of the reasons. And then and then I just love it when they get up there and the coaches and the you know conference commissioners talk about student athletes, you know, like it's this sacred thing that's beyond you know, uh, uh, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, pollution or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's just a clean sport and we have to honor these kids and whatever. Um, it's all about money and, you know, just pretending it's not, is just ridiculous. And, and yeah, it is completely unfair for, for, for so many reasons. It's what's it's the money is obviously the, the deciding factor I would assume in, in these coaches moves, but I still contend at least those two moves with Kelly and Riley, it's because they, they have access to better players and they want to win a national championship because they're coaches and they're competitive, right? They're not just business. We're not going to go that far. I'm going to agree with Jim here, Carlos. I mean, they're not just businessmen or business people. They're competitive souls who want to win. Well, you. I mean, it's not mutually exclusive. You want to... You want to go somewhere where you can be successful, but you know ultimately that success is, de- is defined by money. You know, if you're if you're a big time coach, you're going to get paid. You know what your value is, and you know I think Brian Kelly's in a different boat. He's sixty. I think you know what Lincoln Riley's how old? Thirty eight or something like that. I mean, he's pretty young. Um, so yeah, Lincoln Riley has a long way to go, and maybe legacy is more attached. Brian Kelly, how long is he going to coach, and what is he going to win? You know. 10 straight national championship until he's in his seventies or whatever. It's it's he's going down there to continue his success. He's going to be playing in a much tougher league, obviously. Um, But yeah, I mean, if, if you're, if you're going to pay them, you know, that's they're they're, they're getting what their values. He'll be playing in a league period. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's, and let's, let's get this back to Jim for a second, because what's, what's interesting about Ohio state is they, defy the g the uh the geography the what i would call the fascistic geography you know the authoritarian geography <laughs> of college football they go get players all over the place in fact i had a, a michigan uh, alum uh michigan fan friend of mine telling me last night because he wanted to talk about the game that the best part of the saturday was watching all those skill guys from ohio state that are from southern california and texas get pounded by uh, mostly local Midwestern guys, <laughs> you know, because college, college football can engender that too. It inspires this uh, geographic rivalry, which is, which is also part of it, especially North to South. But I thought that was kind of fun because uh, Woody Hayes built those teams, Jim on players in Ohio, because Ohio's traditionally had some of the best high school football talent too. Yep. And that's changed a little bit. Now you got to go everywhere to get your guys. Yeah, and they've been very good at that. I think John Cooper, uh, despite uh, losing a record against Michigan, is the guy who really started dipping down into places like Florida and Texas and getting skill position guys, fast receivers. And that I can remember when that started happening, people were like, wow, we got a guy from Florida to come up here? What about Bob Bowden at Florida State? He's not going to play for that guy? Or Steve Spurrier at Florida? He's not going to play for that guy? But somehow... And I know that Michigan people have lots of conspiracy theories. <laughs> they have managed to get these players 
buy into the Columbus thing. And, you know, the weather is nasty and it's outdoors. And sometimes uh, uh, CJ Stroud can't handle the weather like, he, like in Ann Arbor last Saturday, but um, somehow they're getting them to come here. And I think that is uh, one of the differences um, that has really propelled Ohio State into having those better quality skill players um, to a large degree. CJ Stroud, by the way, uh, freshman quarterback who's from Southern California, right? I think Carl's Carl's is uh, Carl's is neck of the woods. All right, Jim. Before we let you go and we we wrap up, we wrap this up, I I want to ask you a question. What was the difference Saturday in a Michigan Ohio State, and did the weather have anything to do with it? <laughs> yes, the weather has something to do with it. The footing was terrible, but what it comes down to is the offensive and these defensive lines um, for Ohio State did not play well. Um, Michigan manhandled them, no doubt. Our defense needs uh, massive improvements. I think everybody uh, recognizes and acknowledges that. But, uh, no, Michigan outplayed Ohio State, no doubt about it. Yeah, well, listen, uh, thanks for giving us some time. Yeah, it's been fun. I love talking about the rivalry, and I do think it's great when uh, both teams are at their best. Again, thanks for joining us, Jim, and uh, come back anytime you want to, as long as it's okay with Carlos. Anytime. It's almost been a pleasure. Oh, that's 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 a almost good one. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are going to take a quick break. Come back and talk about uh, some shortstops and the Tigers and a little bit of baseball, and uh, hopefully Jim will go do his thing and keep making the free press uh, what it is. We'll be right back. Hello. I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, freak beat writer Chris Slaurie and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch, as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartans Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, let's get back to your favorite sport after all that college football nonsense. I know that was, I know you love Jim, but that was painful for you, wasn't it? No, I love it. I love, I love hearing about call. I love people who enjoy their sports, who are strong fans, explaining why they love their, you know, their fanaticism, you know, and. Uh, yeah, I didn't grow up as a college football fan, but uh, yeah, you can't you can't deny the tradition, and that game just was just the perfect Big Ten in the snow, grounded out, you know, great game. So uh, yeah, it was it was a pleasure having Jim on, and we're gonna have him on. We will have him on to talk about your favorite thing, your favorite hobby, video games, pretty soon. Yeah, I've never actually played video games. Before we get to uh, the Tiger signing of Javier. Uh, Baez, the the shortstop who played for the Chicago Cubs and briefly for the the New York Mets. Before we get to that, because I want to hear your thoughts on that signing and not 
not the Tigers not getting Carlos Correa, the great shortstop who's played for the Astros the last several years. Um, let's at least acknowledge that there's a pretty big game coming up Saturday. I can't believe we forgot about this. Oh. God, this just shows you how lame I am. You're not. You're awesome, obviously, Carlos. But uh, the, there's a Big Ten title game. Michigan's playing at Iowa. Um, we'll have a lot to talk about when we when we come back next week. We may even have another. Who knows? Depending on what happens, we might have to have another emergency podcast. We'll see. I know Carlos mm. loves those, but uh, we can't get enough of Carlos around here, right? So <laughs> we'll uh, just just look out for that. We got the the Big Ten title game. It's obviously if they win, they set up a, a college football playoff, which will obviously kind of be a, a big story, Carlos. So I just want to acknowledge that. Is it okay with you? Absolutely, yeah. It's a okay. it's a great game. Can't, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Me, me too. And us. In, in any case, let's uh, let, let, let me get your thoughts on on the signing of Javier Baez and not signing Carlos Correa, and uh, you know how upset a lot of these Tigers fans were. I don't know if you you I'm sure surely you saw there was some anger out there yesterday, Carlos, when it became an, when it was announced that uh, this is what the Tigers are doing. So so what say you, my man? Well, I like it. Um, you know, I think that I, I just I'm just tired of baseball. You know players getting signed to these mega contracts uh you know 10 years or whatever they're gonna you know they, they just you, you see it with miguel cabrera and miguel Cabrera is a first ballot hall of famer um i don't know if carlos correa is or Corey seager and these guys i like that you know what did al avila say you know i'm not gonna drunk i'm not gonna smell like a drunken sailor before free agency even started you know a six-year deal for i think it's 140 million um, that's reasonable to me. Javi Baez is, he's a good player. You know, he's a very good player. Um, he's not a perfect player, but I don't think Correa is either. Um, I, I like that they're not locked into this, you know, super long, decade long contract. So to me, that's a good, prudent move. Um, so I'm, I'm totally fine with it, you know, and I know people just love the big splash star signings, you know, they want Correa or Seager or whoever it might be who's out there. And part of that is an inferiority complex with the Tigers fans that, you know, that, you know, Mike Gillich just, just drop money like it was, you know, going out of style on Prince Fielder and all these guys, um, you know, and I think they've the the Tigers and maybe Chris Illich has learned a lesson from that, that you can't you have to be a little bit more prudent. So and it's going to be interesting because this is the beginning of hopefully it sound, looks like the ascendancy of the Tigers into a playoff team. So with A.J. Hinch kind of now sort of having a bigger voice in this, you know, deciding which players are going to fit better with him and Al Avila working together. It's a test to see, like, you know, hey, do we have to sign every player to a max contract and get every star player so that we can compete against the Yankees and the Dodgers and whatever else? Um, I hope not. So I, I want to see how this works out. I think it'll be fine. Well, obviously, yeah, we should say, I mean, anybody that watches baseball obviously knows this, but uh, there's no sour cap, so you can spend what you you want to. And I think there's a sense that, you know, as you mentioned, Mike Illich and you know, the way he spent with Prince Field or heck with Miguel Cabrera, Who's still getting paid on that on that massive massive contract, and maybe uh, Chris Illich feels a little bit of that, and the fact that you're paying, what's what's Cabrera making, 30, close to forty million dollars a year? Yeah, something like somewhere, that. Some so, so, somewhere, and I don't don't remember the exact figure, and he's got one more year left after this next one. I think he's got two more years actually, and you know, the, so you're paying all that money for very little production at this point, and and maybe you learn the lesson there but you to get back to that inferiority complex there is this idea out there that Detroit should be 
you know, I, I keep hearing this phrase, a big boy club, right? And like the Dodgers or the, the, the Yankees or I don't know, even the Cubs a little bit, although they've kind of fallen off a little bit, uh, a little bit with their spending. But I, I, I'm with you. I think Baez is fine. Um, he's in, he, here's what we can say for sure. He's a clear upgrade over what they've had, right? He's, he's going to be an improvement defensively, especially, you know, and he strikes out a lot, but he also has some power. He had 31 home runs last year. And, you know, Hinch has shown that he's got a little magic to him and that the, the way they develop guys, I don't, can, can he help, you know, somebody who's just turning 29, it's a little bit late in your career to really change, but it's, I don't know. It's worth the chance, right? I mean, it was what, six years, 140 million. It's less than half of what they played. would have paid Carlos Correa is going to get upwards of 300 million easily. And you're right. Correa is a better player. Um, you know, maybe a lot better player in, in, in some ways. If you go by uh, war and other metrics, especially the last couple of years. But here's my here's my main question, Carlos. Are they ready to win right now? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're ready to sneak into the playoff. But I think they're still looking at the long game. I think, you know, Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green and some of their young guys, some of their young pitchers, Casey Mize, in another year or two, they're hoping we'll be in a spot and then maybe they go spend – a big money for the for the missing piece. I don't think I don't think Car- Carlos Correa was the missing piece. Right? I mean, they had the best player in baseball and didn't win a World Series. Right? They had the best pitcher and the best hitter in baseball for what three four year stretch, two three year stretch at the least, and didn't win it all because baseball is like hockey. You you the best team often does not win. Your Dodgers had the best team on paper this past fall and did not win. You know the Astros arguably had a better team on paper than the Atlanta Braves who were playing 500 ball heading into August, they get hot and they win the World Series. It's 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 the same with hockey. There's a it's a fluky thing, you know, the the puck going off the stick and the ball going off the bat and this is why we just need to outlaw both sports and just have basketball, <laughs> football, and tennis. <laughs> well, that would be fine. I thought that's what you were, thought that's what were gonna say. Hockey is like baseball. I don't watch either sport. I thought that's what you were gonna say. No, I watch both sports and I love the skill in both sports. You know, I'm kidding, but they're. But the but the playoffs in baseball, there's it's just so much. I don't know, you know, it, there's just so much luck involved. It's really crazy, and uh, and and it's fun too. I mean that that that's part of the fun. But I guess the point is, the Tigers have had uh, periods where they had they've had some of the best talent the game has ever seen, and didn't win. Right. So the idea they're going to go get Carlos Correa and that's going to lead somewhere. I mean, maybe it would, but uh, the odds are that it won't. I think that. Uh... You know, what what Chris Illich said a, a month ago or so was, you know, what he really wants to build is a team that has sustained success. You can't the Dodgers are the perfect, you know, example of you can't just buy a championship every year, no matter how much you spend. They've had the best team in baseball probably for five straight years, something like that, four or five since they lost to the. And they did get one. They got right? one. They did get and one. And they should have had four, probably. Um you know, and let's let's forget about the Astros cheating. Spoken like a Dodger fan. Well, I'm a Dodger fan, but I'm a tough critic. You know, I mean, I you know, I I when when they played the Red Sox in the World Series, like no, if they win one game, I'll be happy because the Red Sox clearly were a better team. Um, but you know, aside from the Astros cheating them out of one, um, yeah, I mean, they they on paper and everything else. And that's the thing. I'll speak as a Dodger fan. I've seen Corey Seager play a lot of games. I don't think I would not sign him into a 10-year, $300 million contract. No, I just wouldn't. No. It's too long. 
He's not that great of he's not that big of a difference maker. I mean, he's a very good player, but to spend that kind of money is just crazy. When you can spread that money around the field more, and the middle part of your infield is obviously very important. The middle part of you know center field, second base, shortstop, whatever that's important. And Javi Baez does really upgrade that um, that area. You know, the most important defensive player on the field. Um, I like it, but yeah, I think that I, I hope that what the plan is. Is as they get closer um, to possibly being a playoff contender, they do pick up a free agent, you know, for a playoff run and have the money to do that and willing to spend if they're that close. But otherwise, you're going to have more, you know, reasonable, prudent contracts not going after every single. And look at, I mean, look at the Braves. The Braves approved it too. They don't have to. How many, how many, who's the, none of their players, I think, on, on the Braves are the best player at their position in the major leagues, you know? Well, they lost their young stud last year to an ACL tear in what, in July or June or whatever, Acuna? Right, right. Yeah, that Acuna, right. that that definitely hurt, you know? Um, and then they went and, and, and picked up a few outfielders and uh, a couple of relievers, and then next thing you know, they're World Series champs. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a holistic sport, and they can, you know, you can, you, can, uh, you know, good managers make a difference. Um, so I like that the Tigers are taking a little bit more of a prudent approach. I do too. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, I, I assume they're not done signing players. They probably have some more moves to make. We'll have plenty of time to talk about it. But it is it is going to be a fun season, I would think. I mean, just the way they, the, the improvement they showed this last summer, and I think a lot of fans are uh, kind of waking up to the the Tigers again and uh, are showing a little bit of hope and feeling a little bit of hope. And, uh, and that's a good thing. And this, this speaks to that. I know there's some frustration they didn't get at Correa, but uh, I'm with you. A s- yeah. Smart move. Wait uh, a little bit, see what you got next year and maybe the year after and ne- and then really go for it. I don't know, you know, because yeah. well, as you say, is there's no sour cap. We'll see. We'll see you, Sean Windsor, at opening day, and then we won't see you again until the, they're in the World Series. So yeah, no, fans can look forward to that. I haven't been opening day in a while. It's usually uh, around Big Ten, Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten basketball tournament, which is you know kind of fun too. So yeah, yeah, you know, you know, you know how that goes. I'll be out there. But uh, all right, listen, Carlos, we need to we need to wrap this up. We've been or you haven't been talking too much. I have. It's all my fault. It's always my fault. In any case, what was your favorite thing, my man? So my favorite thing last week was uh, the on uh, Disney Plus they dropped Peter Jackson's uh, Beatles documentary. This epic eight-hour, uh, mostly never seen footage behind the scenes of them doing the the uh, uh, Let It Be album. Um, and the famous concert on the roof um, at their studios in in uh, in London, and what was fun about it, besides being a Beatles fan and watching all the stuff going on, was you didn't. I didn't realize these guys. These were very young men. Uh, they were no older than twenty eight. I think John. I think Paul McCartney was twenty six. George Harrison might have been twenty five at the time. The the band is breaking up. The greatest rock band in the history of music is breaking up. Um, and it was, it was just interesting, interesting to see that they were so confused and so dysfunctional at the time, not getting along this musical genius. And when this great work of art could happen with young men who were trying to find their way and didn't know what they were doing most of the time. Um, 
it was just it was just so fun to watch that and and reassuring that you know sometimes you have a lack of confidence in your own life of is this the right thing am i doing the right thing nobody knows what they're doing they're all everybody's trying to figure it out and get through it and do the best they can and uh, it was just a lot of fun to see a lot of that. It, it was eight hours. It probably should have been about six. It needed a little bit more editing, but um, but it was really cool. So I really appreciated the the. Uh, it's a great watch. Get back on Disney Plus. Well, my favorite thing is related to that. It was actually a column in the Washington Post by the pop music critic Chris Richards. Who and the, here's the headline: The Beatles are overrated. That's our fault, not theirs. <laughs> And it goes on to write, and I just I love the idea that he had the guts to to say that because I have certain thoughts about the Beatles, and um, he goes on to make the argument that we what's what's wrong with us in America that we cannot move on, that we have to reboot and keep going back and keep trying to you know squeeze to use a cliche like you like to use Carlos blood from a turnip, and are we ever going to grow up and acknowledge that hey you know we we make pretty good things now too. Right? Do we do we keep having to listen to the Beatles? Do we really need eight hours of the the Beatles? Here's his description of Get Back. Okay, it is uh, Get Back is interesting, irritating, sweet, stultifying, illuminating, punishing, punishing, satisfying, totally life sucking, ultimately unnecessary, and still pretty cool. That seems pretty fair to me, right? Well, I just like the the idea a- that a guy at the post stuck his neck out there to say what a lot of us really think, right? Do you agree? Stuck. Do you agree with the Beatles? Do you think? What do you think of the Beatles, Sean? The, I, I like the Beatles fine, and uh, oh, yeah, that's not I, enthusiastic. You were Rolling Stones guy, stone. yeah, I was. But I, I like, I like the the, the the Beatles fine. I actually like their indiv- their individual music a little better. Just, you know, I like Harris, some a couple of Harrison wings. And, you like and, wings, and wings, and, and McCartney. Yeah, you know, I just no, they're fine. I just, I just thought that was fun because it's true. We do it with. So many different parts of our pop culture. So it's just nice to see somebody uh, write something and allow a headline, the Beatles are overrated, and then be kind by saying that's not their fault, that's ours. <laughs> that sounds like a Sean Windsor column to me. That's not your That's not your fault. That's mine. It's fine. That's fine. No, listen, here's the thing is I think I bet you this guy's not a Beatles fan, and so he was forced to have to watch all eight hours. And it is, if you're not a big Beatles fan, it is hard. It's like I said. It's there's a lot of fat in that that should have been cut. It's it's redundant. Some of the things that that are shown, I, I totally agree with that part of it. But if you are a Beatles fan, just like if you're whatever, if you were a Rolling Stones fan or you're a Elvis fan, and you found this amazing footage that hadn't been seen before, and it gives you insight into their process and and how they be came this band or and especially this is the i think this is it this they never played together before and in this when they were doing this album and let it be they hadn't been playing together they'd been recording their own music individually in the studio and then it was produced and put together so they hadn't been used to playing together like fan like bands sometimes do so traditionally in recording sessions so I, I get it from his point of view. Is I, and I don't know if he admitted that. I'm not much of a Beatles fan, so that is part of the reason why it's excruciating sometimes to watch this much of it. Did he admit it? No, I, I no, I think I think no, I think he liked it, likes the Beatles just fine. It's just this idea of the keep going back, not to to play off the get back. But th- that that's all that's all that was. And look, I, I like the Beatles. I mean, I love Here Comes the Sun. How about that? I, I, I actually wow. like the early. I like the early. I like Sgt. Pepper's uh, album too. 
and and some of that, you know, they're great. They are. It's just the a, White Album. The, the White Album is your album, Sean. That's that, that's where you should we should be listening. What to. are you trying? What are you trying to say there? Huh? You're you're Mr. Cool and Hip and the a white class. The white the the White Album. No, the I understand. Album. I probably deserve. I probably deserve. It. <laughs> Made me think of that when you mentioned Elvis. I mean, what was his inspiration? Well, he was you know an appropriator. How about that? Well, that was of the, the cool of, thing of the blues. And that's so were what, the Stones. So were the Stones, you know. And the right? Beatles. And the Beatles. And, that, and, that's, and the Beatles, right. And, and they all acknowledge that, which is important. Well, that's, what's, that's what was really cool about it is that the one thing that I loved about the Beatles was that they loved Elvis, but they loved Chuck Berry equally. And they loved Ray Charles. And they played with these guys in Hamburg when they were first starting out, you know. And Billy Preston is a big part of this recording session. And he adds a lot to that to that record. Right. Um, they yeah. loved all forms, you know. And then obviously George Harrison went into the, the Indian, you know, uh, sitar uh, chant music and all that. So... Um, they were very open. Do you play sitar? Do you play sitar? Yeah, but only for money. So you'll never. You'll yeah, do never. you pop edibles when you do it? No, no, I do it straight. Oh. I get high on life, Sean. Okay. Oh, that's good. Okay, that's good. That's good. Well, listen, uh, I think we've gotten high on this podcast, man. We're going way too long. <laughs> Tad will hopefully make this sound better, clean it up, cut it uh, right. What do he's, you say, Carl? He's our hopefully George. He's our George Martin. You don't know who that is, but hopefully he's our George he'll Martin. Cut fifteen to twenty minutes out of this. I don't know. I tell you what, Tad. Just cut me out and let Jim and Carlos uh, do their thing, and I think you'll have a much better podcast. <laughs> wouldn't, you, wouldn't you agree, Carlos? No, you're going to text them after this and say, just cut Carlos's part and keep all of my stuff. No, I don't do that. No, you, you're, Again, this, that's, that's what we call projection, I think. <laughs> so that's what you would do, and now you're projected on me. Thank you very much. No, I, I'm saying, in all sincerity, please cut me out. No, listen, uh, I want to... I want to... Carlos, I think we should thank our, our, our listeners for, for sticking with us and, um, you know, giving us a chance to, uh, to rap here every week. And we also should, uh, you know, we just mentioned Tad. God, I can't believe we've got to mention him again, but let's do it. Let's thank him for everything that he does. I don't even know if he's at home now recording this. He's always on the road. He's out doing something. But uh, without our producer, Tad Davis, obviously this doesn't happen. We want to thank Anjanette Delgado and Kirkland Crawford. And then we want to thank uh, Peter Batia, who is the executive editor and uh, obviously uh, makes all of this possible. If you like the podcast, uh, please find us at Spotify, Apple, wherever you find our podcast. And when you do, give us a rating, you know, and subscribe. And then, but mostly, give us a rating and tell me how great I am and Carlos how I guess okay he is. Does that sound good, Carlos? And then, uh, pardon me. Okay, yeah, I'll take it. In any case, uh, we uh, again, thank you for spending some time with us this week, and we will see you all next week. <laughs>